0: Now, as we come to the discussion of the walls of the or the wall of the city, it's wall singular, gates plural, twelve gates and a wall, a wall encompassing the city. The wall have the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the walls themselves were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, it says. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Foundations have the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Obviously, again, this is the symbolism that has to be unpacked. And I'm insisting that these symbolic references be viewed in light of prior scripture, prior references of scripture. And although the, the prior references of scripture are the type and shadow, and although when they were used in antiquity, The people who lived then had no idea what they were referring to. But we, who have the Holy Spirit, have been given the Spirit of understanding. Now, when the Spirit of understanding functions, the Word confirms what the Spirit is saying. If you, if you did not have the Spirit but only had the Word and if your interpretation of things is only of the Word by rational reference and not by the Spirit, you're in the same darkness as the people in antiquity. So without the type and shadows are necessary for us because they lay up a contextual template for us so that when the greater revelation of the prior thing is done or is given, we can see it with with four-dimensional clarity. We can only see types and shadows when we're in the midst of the type and shadow, we can only see it with three-dimensional Clarity. What I mean is we can only infer what it means and in a sense, that condition is one in which we see and we don't see. We hear and we don't hear it, neither do we understand. When the Spirit of truth comes, from the time the Holy Spirit was given to us, given into the world on the day of Pentecost, to now, he continues to evince, in all of his dealings, the qualities of his nature. One of the characteristics of the spirit of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of understanding. He has seven characteristics. They include rule, wisdom, knowledge, understanding counsel, power, and the fear of the Lord, which means everything ties back to Christ. And if it falls outside of what is true of Christ, then we're on our own, we're fabricating things as we go. The Holy Spirit was sent to reveal Christ to us. The presence of the Holy Spirit in heaven is defined as seven lamps that are blazing, being the seven spirits of God. And we know from Isaiah, the 11th chapter, that we know these seven definitive characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So when things appear in antiquity, and I'm going back to antiquity, Uh, in just a moment, we only know the physical reference to these things and in that sense I compare physical things to the dimensions of the physical world, three-dimensional references. But four-dimensional references, four or more, have to do with the revealing of what the natural means because the lesser dimensions are contained in their entirety in the greater dimensions. So whatever is in 2D or 3D is also fully contained in 4D, but 4D has the additional dimension that gives the broader implications of what you're seeing in 2D or 3D. So 2D and 3D relative to 4D dimensions, that is, 2D and 3D are but types and shadows. Yes, they have realities in and of themselves, but no, they are meant to be poured over into or made subject to the interpretation of the broader revelation the greater dimension. So in that sense, where have we found references to uh, precious stones in the foundation of the city? Because now when we look at it, we will see what what was contained in prophetic scripture with the implication that they were going to be understood or revealed later in a broader, greater context than those prophetic scriptures. Well the first of these things is the foundation stones being precious and twelve in number in rows of three three sets of precious stones in row number one, in row number two, three more, row number three, three, an additional three, and num- row number four, the final three. Where do we find those before? Well they're in the breastplate of the high priest. <laughs> they're in the breastplate of the high priest. And now we're about to find out why they're arranged. Why why did he even have this breastplate made of pure gold and it would be carried on a double folded linen cloth, which of course, fine raiment, white and clean, was given to the bride to wear according to Revelation 19. Linen, as opposed to wool, was what the priests had to wear in their priestly garments and the high priest wore a linen garment to indicate that his labor was not one Of the sweat of your brow. Wool would cause a woolen garment, would likely cause the wearer to sweat. Linen absorbed the perspiration and gave the impression, presented the picture, if you like, that this was a divine economy above and beyond the sweat of your brow and on this linen cloth the breastplate of the high priest, of pure gold, rested. It was affixed around his neck and waist by cords but inlaid into the golden breastplate were four rows of three precious jewels each uh, in rows of three, so three times four would be twelve. Precious stones in this particular case. Why was the? When did the breast, When did the the high priest wear the breastplate? Was it kind of his daily uh, hangout garb? <laughs> no. When he went before God, when he went into the temple, or into the tabernacle, into the holy place. There were other features, of course, to his garment, like he had bells, golden bells adorning the hem of his garment, and they were fashioned as pomegranates. And uh, you could hear him moving around. But you couldn't see him uh, when he went into the holy place. There was usually a rope tied around his foot, one of his feet, so that if he misbehaved or did not uh, do as he was supposed to and was struck down, he could be pulled. His body could be retrieved from the holy place without further further casualty of the person's affecting the persons trying to retrieve his body. But again, more, more information and less than we need to focus on here. We don't need to focus on those aspects here. The precious thing about this is this, that He wore the representations of the twelve tribes of Israel whom He was representing under the law, before God. He was representing the twelve tribes and they were depicted in these twelve precious stones. But even in the law, even under the law and the high priest, the Levitical high priest, God had always before Him the remembrance of the great promise that would be fulfilled when the purposes of the Levitical order had been fully realized. The Levitical order and the law it represented was a shadow and a type of the good things to come and served as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. What was always precious to God that would be born in the person of Christ is a holy people from the earth, drawn from the number 12 which is the representation of all of humanity. Every tribe, tongue, language and nation- and listen, that could not possibly be limited to the twelve tribes of Israel, therefore it had to be a symbolic representation in the midst of a covenant with Israel of the true intentions of God. Yes, typified by the twelve tribes, but no symbolic of a people He would draw from, as He Himself said it, every tribe, tongue, language and nation. And the designation, by way of representation of these, of these precious stones, is that such a people would be represented by the most precious of earthly valuables, gems, before God. Now, if you will look with me, I'll show you the representations before. Here is a limited representation of this principle as it regarded the body of Christ. Daniel is speaking in the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, he said in verse 5, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen." Listen, I can't make this stuff up, this is way above my pay grade. Speaking of the economy of the divine order of things, an economy of rest, not the toil and sweat of your brow, but a people drawn from every tribe, tongue, language and nation, typified by this man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold of Ufaz. In the armor of God, what is the belt or the... the the girding of the loins. What is the belt called? The belt of truth. Truth is the golden standard because it represents the person of Christ. When Jesus appears to John on the island of Patmos, one of the references to Him is He's girded with a golden girdle or a golden belt because he is the way the truth and the life so this is repre- this is obviously a vision that daniel is having he's not actually out by the river looking up and there's a man he's having a vision visions are representational they cannot be taken literally they speak with natural symbols and references to eternal things, spiritual things, Hmm? has a golden girdle about and, and he defines it as fine gold. You know what the construction of the wall of the city was of? Pure gold, clear like glass. Again, consistent with the golden standard, the golden rod. The purity of the refined gold is a matter of reference. Now then, this man above the waters, his body also was like beryl. I've kept open the page on uh, the foundations, the first stone, was a jasper, uh, second, sapphire, third, chalcedony, fourth, emerald, fifth, sardonyx, sixth, sardius, seventh, chrysolite. Beryl is the eighth, and the ninth is topaz. The placement of Beryl as the eighth represents in newness a new beginning which is typical of eight. Talking about a new creation, a people configured in the person of one man and His face was like lightning, the appearance of lightning, His eyes lamps of fire or flames of fire, His arms and feet were of the color of polished brass and the voice was like the voice of a multitude. And if you go to the book of Revelation, uh, this I think it's the second chapter, and look, you will see a description of Jesus in His resurrected form that is akin to that. Uh, So this is Revelation 1, I'm sorry, I said, Revelation 2. He said, "'I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, "'I am Alpha and Omega,' and so on." Verse 12, the voice was behind him, so, "'I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, "'and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot and the girt about the paps, the sash, was a golden girdle, hair was like like wool, eyes as flames of fire, feet unto fine brass, as if they've been burned in a furnace, and his voice, the sound of many waters. The man in the the man the man who appears to Daniel in chapter ten. Just to go back and, and remind you of it. Uh, here's what he said. Uh, and and Daniel like like that man fell to the ground like John, fell to the ground. Clothed in linen, loins gird with fine gold, body like beryl, face, appearance of lightning, eyes like flames of fire, arms and feet like the color of polished brass, and a voice like the sound of a multitude. Exactly the same. I mean, there are more details in one than in another, but unmistakably, we know who uh, who it's referring to. So when we come to the book of Revelation, it's referring to the corporate Christ. In the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel it was speaking about Christ not in the flesh, not Jesus of Nazareth, the identity of the man, but of Christ, the sent One, the ascended One, the glorified One and it's to that body that we may be assembled. We are not assembled to Jesus because Jesus is the reference to a finite man, man who occupied time and space. Christ is the reference to His eternal status, I am amazed at people talking about being in love with Jesus. They, They make this into some kind of a human romance and they think that if they gaze in the eyes of Jesus, somehow that is a kind of piety that appeals to God. This is religious nonsense. I mean, I'm not permitted to use other words to define this, but it is as bogus, silly, stupid, because it's sentimental. And it's a substitute for the spirits of just men and women, well, actually, sons, sons of God, without regard being men or women, assembled to the corporate person of Christ. That's what it's talking about. Now then, I want you to look at the book of Isaiah, the 54th chapter, with me, because this too contains a contextual reference, I want to get right to it for the purpose of time but I will go back if I can and and give you its context. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and this is a prophetic passage. In fact, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, are prophetic passages going on to Isaiah 60. They're prophetic passages that speak of something other than Israel. So he says here, let me read it to you, Isaiah 54, 11, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires." Let me see, "...the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphires, the third, chalcedony, and so on. And I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles. Let's see Um, emeralds, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysophate, jacinth, amethyst, pearls. I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones." What are borders here? Walls, walls. "...and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children." A city? Children? Children of a city? No, he's talking about the corporate man, the gathering of the earth, of all that is precious to God, which is why they're referred to as jewels. And all thy children shall be taught of, of the Lord and, shall be, and, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they will surely gather together, but not by me. Whoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake." And fire came down from God and devoured the adversary. Behold, I have created smith That bloweth the coal in the fire, so blacksmiths, that bring forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage this is our inheritance, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Um, When I continue this series of discussions, I want to go back and talk about the mystery of how more are the children of the barren woman than of her who had a husband because that's where it begins and we'll tie that into Galatians, Galatians the 4th chapter that speaks of Hagar and Sarah. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that the book of Revelation is the summary, it's the bright focus, it's the point where the thing that has been hidden is now revealed which is why it is called the revelation. It's why you have to upgrade your thinking once you see the revealed final end of these things. So what is the point of the the twelve foundations being identified with precious stones? because this is what is precious to God in the whole earth. And because there's nothing that can dislodge it or change what it has become, because all such things that would have done so, including Satan, the false prophet, the beast, the antichrist, they would all have been destroyed by now and what we're looking at is what's left and how God views it. Listen, if if your point of view is, I'm living so when I die I can go to heaven, that is not bad but it's not the half of it. What do you do with all these other things that speak not only of heaven but of an age to come where people are finally refined and an age that begins after that when this refinement and processing is defined with the language and symbols of what is most precious in the earth. Well, this is what the new heavens and the new earth together yields. When we come back, we'll talk about you no know, temple because God is the reason there's no temple, and that we are the naos of God. The Dwelling place of God is because we're in Christ. We're assembled into the light. So when when I come back, I want to talk about the light of the world. When God said, first things God said about creation was, let there be light. The last things said in creation is the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine the sun was to light the day as a type and shadow of illumination that god intended to bring and the night and the night was meant to be illuminated by the moon when all of natural creation has passed away, the light that there will be is God Himself revealed. That's why He says, No sun or moon... by the way, there is no night either, for the glory of God illuminated it the Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light. Kings will bring glory and honor and there shall be no night there, they shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it." My goodness! Let there be light, what does that look like in final form? Not only is Christ revealed, but we are revealed in Christ so we have the same light that He is. That's what God really meant when He said, let there be light, to be on display in a man in the image and likeness of God. But well, we're not done yet with the book of Revelation though we're coming to the end of the 21st chapter. The rest of it in the 22nd chapter will kind of put the finishing touches, if you like, on our understanding of what comes in the age to come. What I've told you so far is that with the return of the Lord, they'll begin an age we refer to it by the number of years in it, a millennium, mil, thousand, anus, anum, Latin terms, year, so the two together, milanum, a thousand years. The beginning of that will be one thing, the middle of it will be another, the end of it will be many things the certainty is that at the end of the millennium all evil will be eradicated from creation. And the final touch is the revealing in the glory of it, in the form that is analogized to a city, a woman, a dwelling place, and even as God Himself. And that ushers in the age beyond the millennium. These things were hidden for a long time, long ages past they were. But it pleases God to begin the revealing of the revelation book of Revelation. Why would that be so? Because the times have reached their fullness and the end of this age is upon us. Don't be confused by those who say, if we elect the right people, will slow the process. We'll go back. We'll make nations great again. It's never going to happen. Things are on an inevitable path to culminate with the return of the Lord. and nothing can reverse it, it will go as the book has said. And the Spirit is now opening the book in part to finally prepare a people for the return of the Lord and when that time comes, the Bride and the Spirit will speak to the Lord, the invitation to... Come Lord Jesus and the Lord Himself will answer from heaven and come forth riding on a white horse. He won't come again riding on a donkey. He rode on a donkey to display humility and peace, Prince of Peace when He comes riding on a horse, the symbol of that is He comes forth to conquer or to subdue, to subdue every opposition. And in the final analysis, when He finishes the subjugation of all things, that will include the destruction of Satan. Then, He will reveal the glory. He will be revealed in all of His glory, both at His coming and especially at the end of the age. And we shall be revealed with Him in the glory of His appearing more completely, more fully than anything we had experienced previously, including being revealed with Him now though the world's eyes are veiled to the the brightness of His coming when He comes in us. There will come a time when that will no longer be the case, He will be as He is and we shall be revealed with Him as we even now are, but veiled. Of course, the gospel was going to end with this, how else would it end? I commend you to God and the word of His grace that is able to build you up in these times of sorrow, trial and growing darkness. Do not lose heart, our redemption draws nigh. We'll continue until we finish the study of the book. It was reserved for us and for this time. And I can only say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Let the heavens praise God, let everything that has breath praise the living God. Amen. I'm Sam Solon. We'll continue. Bye for now.